This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. It's another Hello Healthy. I'm your host, Maggie McKay. Getting a colonoscopy is crucial in detecting colorectal cancer early on, but sometimes people are hesitant or they put it off, especially younger adults who may feel like it's not a cancer typically associated with their age group. But is that a myth? Today, my guests are Dr. Lawrence Malalari, a colorectal surgeon with Dignity Health and colorectal cancer survivor, Angie Gentry. This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. Thank you both for being here to help clarify what younger adults need to know when it comes to this potentially deadly disease. Angie, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? What's your occupation? Are you married? Your hobbies? So originally I'm from Colorado. I went to the Colorado School of Mines. I was a athlete growing up. I swam competitively. I moved out to Bakersfield, California in 2010 and met my husband here. We got married in 2019. And currently all of our time is really filled up with our rambunctious 18 month year old. Um, We also have two hunting dogs and a kitty. And yeah, all of our time is basically gone to our family. So just trying to spend as much time. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Staying active and, and being outdoors and just enjoying our time together as a family. Absolutely. So March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. What is so important, doctor, to bring to light when it comes to colorectal cancer? Hi, Maggie. Thank you for having us. Yes, so colorectal cancer is a cancer of the colon and rectum, as the name states, but it is a cancer that's much more common, I'm sorry, that they usually, most people are aware of. About 150,000 people get diagnosed with this cancer every year, and about 50,000 of them pass away from it. It is the third most commonly diagnosed cancer in the U.S. and the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States. So it's a much more common cancer than most people realize. I didn't know there were so many deaths from it. It is more than there should be because colorectal cancer is a very well-known cancer that we can detect, prevent, and cure, especially when we catch it early. Unfortunately, one in three people who are supposed to be up to date on their screenings in the U.S., have not had a screening yet. And what is the difference between colon cancer and colorectal cancer? Colorectal cancer basically encompasses the colon cancer group and the rectal cancer group. So it's just a nomenclature uh, distinction, but it's the same cancer. It is. Okay. And Angie, what symptoms did you experience that brought you to Dr. Malalari? Yeah, so I have a semi-unique situation. Actually, I had valley fever, which is kind of local to the Kern area for two and a half years. And I had a surgery to remove some of the valley fever and was coming off of the medication associated with that. And what happened was I had a bunch of symptoms coming off that medication. And one of those was bleeding in my stool. And so I had just assumed for a while that it was associated with that medical history that I had going on. But over a few months, the bleeding became more frequent in my stool. And it led me to get a colonoscopy about four or five months later. But at the same time, my husband and I had decided we wanted to start a family And going into the colonoscopy, they asked that famous question, is there any way you could be pregnant? And I said, you know, we've tried once, but there's just no way I'm pregnant, but I better do the test anyways. And of course, it came back. That one time was all it took and we were pregnant. So it was a blessing (laughs) that we were able to get pregnant so fast, but also a little bit of a curse for me because what that did was delay my colonoscopy for a year. I had to go through the pregnancy 
I had to get enough breast milk, you know, saved up so I could have enough to get through the procedure, things of that nature. So a year later, I actually got the diagnosis that I had the colon cancer, which led me to Dr. Malalari for the surgery. Did you ever think someone as young as yourself would face something like colorectal cancer? Definitely not. I think it was a shock in so many ways because I did come from a very healthy background, right? I was a competitive athlete my whole life. I love the outdoors, just staying active, eating healthy. All of that encompasses for me to get this diagnosis at this age. I almost didn't believe it. I think between the time that I came out of the colonoscopy till the time I got the confirmation that it was cancer, I probably came up with any and every excuse in this world that it had to be something different. It was just a disbelief at the beginning. Oh my gosh. That's so scary, especially when you're just starting a family. Doctor, for Angie, she had no prior family history. So for others with no family history, what signs and symptoms should they be watching out for? Yeah, so unfortunately, colorectal cancers have very mild, if any, symptoms, especially early on in the disease. Common symptoms that we associate with colorectal cancer include changes in bowel function, bleeding with stooling, fatigue, unexplained weight loss, abdominal pain, cramping, constipation, diarrhea, as if you can tell by by the list that I'm uh, going through, a million other things will have similar symptoms. And thankfully, most of the time, these symptoms do not mean that you have colorectal cancer, but unfortunately, it is possible. And as Angie mentioned, even young patients should not dismiss the symptoms, especially if they persist and do not go away. Just to give you some numbers and statistics, we're diagnosing colorectal cancer much more frequently now in younger patients than we did before. About 12% of all new diagnoses of colorectal cancer are currently occurring in patients who are less than 50 years old. This number was less than 6% in the 1990s, and we're seeing an increase of about 2% or so every year in this age group. And why do you think that is? Well, that's a good question, and unfortunately, we still don't know. There's a lot of research that's occurring right now to try and elucidate why we are seeing an increase in this diagnosis. There's theories and, and, and ideas out there, but we don't have any evidence to put on a particular factor. We do know, however, that the current estimation with the increase that we're seeing every year, the colorectal cancer diagnosis will be the leading cause of cancer deaths in people between 20 and 49 years old. Oh, my goodness. That's shocking. It's scary. At what age? It is. It is scary. With those statistics, what is the age now that people should be screened? That's a very good question. We had for the longest time recommended a screening test for colorectal cancer once you reach 50 years old. However, because of the findings that we've made recently with the increased rates in younger patients, the current recommendations are to get screened for colorectal cancer at 45 years old, even if you have no symptoms meaning average risk, none of the symptoms I mentioned earlier, you should get a screening test for colorectal cancer at 45 years old. Having said that, if you have symptoms or if you have family history or other risk factors for colorectal cancers, you should get screened sooner. Both my parents had colon cancer. They did not die from it. But I had to start colonoscopies early on just because of that family history. And I always tell people, start earlier than later, right? Because if you put it off, it could be deadly. That's correct. If we can catch the cancers at an early stage, we can even prevent them because if we identify the polyps before they have a chance to turn into cancer, we can remove them right then and there. 
Also, even if cancer is present, if we're able to catch it at an early stage, well, our uh, current numbers tell us that we can achieve more than 90% cure rate. However, once the cancer advances in stages, that cure rate and that benefit from, from the treatment drops significantly. Wow. So it is so preventable. Just go in there and get that colonoscopy. Angie, you said you were in disbelief when you got your diagnosis. So how did your husband feel? How did he react? I think it was just the flood of you have almost so many thoughts going through your head. You don't even know what to say, if that makes any sense of what's our future going to be like? How are we going to survive financially if something happens to me? I think from day one, he was you know, the positive one that really made a put his foot down and said, we're going to get through whatever we have to get through to get you on the other side and keep you here with our family. So I definitely appreciate that positive nature that he brought to the table. But I'm the planner. So he had a lot to combat there. So I think, you know, balancing <laughs> out those emotions alone, going through our family for weeks and weeks and all of kind of, you know, the waiting to see what was going to happen with the surgery. Was it going to show up in the lymph nodes? Did I have to go through chemotherapy? All of that was a lot. And with a brand new baby. I mean, that's a lot. Yes. And I will say of all babies. Ours, I think, might be the more wild one I've ever seen. So <laughs> he was a lot to handle, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was hoping you were going to say he was the most perfect baby. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's not in his description at all. <laughs> perfect in other ways. Other ways. <laughs> so, Angie, what was your treatment plan? What was laid out for you once you were diagnosed and it was clear you had to take some action? Right. So we did the surgery. The surgery had identified that it did spread to my lymph nodes. I think we took 20 lymph nodes out, if I remember correctly, and one of them did have the cancer, which resulted in me needing to go through the chemotherapy. That was the full Fox treatment. So it was six months of chemotherapy around every two weeks. Luckily, I didn't have to do any radiation. I think my margins generally were clear from the rectum area. So that wasn't required as part of my treatment plan which was a blessing. Wow. A doctor, when should you seek medical attention for signs and symptoms, especially if the symptoms seem normal? Yes. So unfortunately, because the symptoms are so vague and so common for other reasons, the most important thing is to, number one, is pay attention to your body, pay attention to the signs that your body is giving you. If any of the symptoms that I mentioned earlier persist, do not resolve on their own, you should seek medical attention. You should talk to your doctor about getting evaluated to rule out some of the more dangerous diagnoses like colorectal cancer. And I did wanted to bring up the fact that, unfortunately, with everything that's going on in the world, colorectal cancer did not take a break with the COVID-19 pandemic that we went through. There was a significant drop in screening rates over the past year and two because of the closures and isolations and quarantines that we had to do for the pandemic. In 2020 alone, it was estimated that the colorectal cancer screening dropped by 85%. And to put this into, you know, into real people's numbers is that more, almost 100,000 people did not get their screening colonoscopies or other screenings for colorectal cancer in 2020 alone. So there's a lot of work that we still need to get done to get patients screened for this very preventable disease. So there's a lot of catching up to do. Just going back to Angie's treatment, is that standard what she got? What other forms of treatment are there for colorectal cancer? Yeah, so angiodiagnosis diagnosis involved cancer of the colon and uh, the specific region is called the rectal sigmoid area, which involves initial treatment through uh, surgical resection. And Angie received a robotic surgical resection of her cancer location. 
Now, if the cancer has been diagnosed in the rectum, that treatment sometimes will include chemotherapy and radiation prior to surgery. But because it's the same cancer in terms of the location of the colon and the rectum, the chemotherapy treatment and surgery treatment is usually offered and provided to most patients. The need for chemotherapy, however, depends on the staging of the cancer. If the cancer is localized to the colon, then surgical resection or removal alone is basically the treatment or the cure for that stage. Once the cancer cells have left the location where they started in the colon and they have reached the lymph nodes or other parts of the body, then unfortunately we need a more global treatment for this cancer. That's where chemotherapy comes in. The rectum is a bit of a special place because of the location of where the rectum is. The pelvis is a very small area which allows for the cancer to quickly spread to the regions outside of the rectum. And also we know that the patients who have rectal cancer have poorer outcomes compared to colon cancer, even with the same stage. And that is the reason why radiation is added to that particular diagnosis. So would you call Angie lucky? Very lucky. I wish we had been able to have had their colonoscopy a year earlier. Hopefully we would have had the chance to remove this cancer before it had reached the lymph nodes. But I'm glad that you know we we're able to identify it and treat it and now she can enjoy her family and her <laughs> rambunctious <laughs> baby. <laughs> Angie, the big question, how are you feeling now? Yeah, so I think energy levels are back. I do have some longer term effects with neuropathy that still kind of persist from a physical perspective. I think the harder things, the emotional side, right, is whether it's the neuropathy taking away something from me out of my day that I'm used to having, all the small things, buttoning my kid's shirt or getting into a cold pool with him or whatever it may be, it makes all of that a little bit harder. So just trying to remain positive through that. And then, you know, all the checkups, the blood tests, the colonoscopy, anything that's coming, just trying to keep your mind free from any worry or anxiety, things of that nature. Probably the the mental side is where the struggle continues to be, right, going forward. But physically, I'm doing much better. I'm so happy to hear that. How often do you have to get colonoscopies now? So I just had my annual checkup. And Dr. Mawalari, you can check me on this, but I think the frequency will slow as time goes on if I'm doing well with my tests. Yeah, so maybe I can answer that question. So basically, for patients who have a diagnosis of colorectal cancer, we'll usually proceed with a colonoscopy immediately after their treatment has completed. So in terms of Angie, a year from surgery is when she had a repeat colonoscopy. And after that, then we proceed with continued uh, monitoring. But as far as colonoscopy is concerned, depending on what we find on the previous colonoscopy, will determine when the next one is done. Meaning that if we find more polyps or abnormal lesions or masses in the colon, that may require more frequent checks or more frequent colonoscopies. But if we don't find anything abnormal, then uh, we can stretch those periods of testing up to three to five years or more. Doctor, in closing, what would you say is the most important thing when it comes to colorectal cancer, preventing it? I think the most important thing is being aware of it, making sure that you're listening to your body, you're paying attention to what your body is really telling you, and talk to your doctor about it. Talk to your doctor about what you're feeling, what, what you're experiencing. Sometimes what things that you're used to may, may appear to be normal, may not necessarily be normal. So don't be afraid to talk to your doctor about the symptoms that you're feeling, whether it involves your bowels, whether it involves your abdomen or your belly, or whether it involves things like, for example, losing weight when you're trying to lose weight. 
I did wanted to make sure that I uh, spoke about a free virtual education presentation that we have set up with Dignity Health on March 1st. It's going to be at 12 p.m. via Zoom. It's free, obviously, and it's open to everyone to register. You can RSVP at dignityhealth.org forward slash Bakersfield forward slash events. And for those who do join us, they have the option to sign up for a free at-home colorectal cancer screening kit as well. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's very good information. And Angie, in closing, what would you say to someone putting off a colonoscopy? So I feel like there's probably a hundred reasons that someone might delay it, right? Whether it's the fear of someone explaining what happens in a colonoscopy or the prep associated with it or just pride in general. But I can guarantee you if you can avoid chemotherapy and get in early, get your colonoscopy done, even if it results just kind of in the surgical procedure having to happen, that would be so much better for you just to push yourself to get through that colonoscopy, to get your diagnosis and get where you need to be and hopefully prevent some of that other treatment to have to occur. I can tell you, you know, that six months going through chemotherapy was by far the hardest six months of my life and the hardest six months of my family's life, hopefully. So it's 100% something you need to consider. Don't delay, kind of advocate for yourself and get in there and get it done. Thank you both so much for being here, Angie, for sharing your story, and Doctor, for your expertise on colorectal cancer. To find out more, go to DignityHealth.org slash Bakersfield slash Robotic Surgery. This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. I'm Maggie McKay. Thank you for listening, and be well.